0: Good morning. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 8. We're going to finish up Acts chapter 8 this morning in our uh, To Judea series. Um, so we're looking at what it, what it looks like when the church of God scatters. Uh, we're continuing to walk through the book of Acts. Uh, I apologize if I uh, came across as uh, kind of standoffish this morning. I never want to be like that ivory tower pastor that just stays in his office right, the, until the service starts and then goes right back to the office as soon as it's over. Um, but uh, Kenzie, uh, Kenzie tested positive for COVID a couple days ago, and so trying to keep my distance from everybody. I'm fine. Thanks for asking, and um, and uh, so so far so good. Um, but uh, but I just, just, in case, want to keep my distance from everybody. So uh, trying to do that. Uh, but Acts chapter eight, as uh, we were going to be uh, this morning, Acts chapter eight, beginning in verse 26. Acts chapter eight, beginning in verse 26. It says this. The spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. This comes out of Isaiah chapter 53. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azetus. and he, as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let me pray for us. Holy Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that, that your word uh, teaches us the gospel, that it it, it shows us the fact that we have life in Jesus, that there's forgiveness of sins and the life, death, and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, that, that your word challenges us and, and, and shapes us and convicts us. Father, I pray that this morning we wouldn't be content to just hold your word to ourselves. We wouldn't be content to just hold this good news, this gospel message in our hearts, but God, that we would want every single person that we come in contact with to experience the good news of eternal life in Jesus, to experience salvation through Jesus Christ. So, Father, this morning I pray that you would give us ears to, to hear what you're saying in your word and, and give us a heart that is ready to apply it today. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I had a a, a pastor friend that I knew uh, who was extremely happy where he was in ministry. Uh, things were going really well, uh, his kids were in a really good school. Uh, his wife was plugged into the church. She was happy. Ministry was going really well. The, uh, the church was growing. They were growing numerically. The, the town around them was exploding in growth, so the opportunity was, was there. Um, he was really happy with his ministry. He was, uh, he w- was exactly where he thought God wanted uh, him to be. He was perfect, perfectly content to be there. Um, but God had other plans for him. You see, uh, one day a, a search committee called him. Uh, and he had already uh, agreed to have a conversation with them, but he would already written them off in his mind. Right? He, he says, "I'm happy where I am. I really have no desire to go anywhere else." Um, and so he wrote them off in his mind, but he agreed to have a conversation with them. And, and during the conversation, he began to God, uh, began to feel God turn his heart, uh, and and really begin to give him a different direction. And, be, and really felt like God was calling him to leave to go to this other place. Uh, and so he went home and he talked about it with his wife. He, he prayed about it with his wife and his family, and, uh, and he really believed that God was calling him to go somewhere else. Even though he was happy where he was, and leaving was the last thing on his mind, he believed God was uh, calling him to go somewhere else. Now, I want to be uh, super clear this morning. If the kids part at the beginning wasn't obvious, I'm not talking about myself, right? So, <laughs> but that would be one way to start a goodbye sermon, right? Like, uh, twist ending, it's me, <laughs> goodbye. Uh, no, uh, I am talking about another pastor friend, but... Um, but he was happy where he was in ministry. He was, things were going really well. He didn't want to leave, but uh, but he believed that God was calling him to go somewhere else. And if God was telling him to go, then he had to go. Philip found himself in a really similar position in Acts chapter 8. If you remember with me back uh, two weeks ago, Philip fled from Jerusalem uh, to avoid persecution, and he ended up in Samaria where he preached the gospel. He was proclaiming the fact that that Jesus came that he died he rose again and that you can have life in his name and he was proclaiming that message to the Samaritans and it was going really well right we spent the last two weeks covering the the aftermath the results of that proclamation that people in Samaria were coming to know Jesus people were getting saved Uh, the Holy Spirit had come down on the Samaritans for the very first time like things are going great there's joy in Samaria uh people uh, people are are getting saved left and right like that is the place that you would want to do ministry, right? Leaving was probably the last thing on Philip's mind. There's a, there's a helpful piece of advice for missionaries, uh, and it says go where God is moving, right? So if God is, is, is ex- if we're experiencing a revival in Thailand and God is moving over there, then uh, we're going to need more workers over there, so go where God is moving and go join in his work over in Thailand. That's, the, that's kind of the, the adage there, and there may be some truth to that, um, but that's probably what Philip was wanting to do, <laughs> Right? God was moving through him in Samaria. Things were going really well. The last thing he probably wanted to do was leave. But God had another plan for him. You see, Philip is a perfect example for us. Because when God told him to do something, even though it didn't make very much sense to him, he still obeyed. And he obeyed to the, to the very end, where he did exactly what God told him to do, and he proclaimed the gospel, and people got saved. And so what I want us to see this morning in this story is a perfect example for us. What God uh, wanted Philip to do is what he wants us to do, and it's this. Wherever God sends you, proclaim the gospel there. Wherever God sends you, proclaim the gospel there. Now that concept breaks down into two ideas that we're going to see in the story this morning uh, from Philip. The first one is this. Go where God sends you. Go where God sends you. Look with me in verse 26 of Acts chapter eight. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to a road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now this is a desert place. So what God told Philip to do, remember, things are going great in Samaria. He's in the heart of Samaria. He's proclaiming the gospel. People are coming to know Jesus. The Holy Spirit is falling. This is an amazing moment. Ministry is going really well. Like, if you're a pastor, you could not write that up any better, right? That's exactly where he would want to be. Things are going amazing. And God, uh, through an angel, tells Philip, he says, leave Samaria, leave this place, and go out to a, a desert road in the middle of nowhere. And if you're anything like me, that plan makes no sense. you. Like it's a a really dumb plan, right? I mean, but it's true. Uh, It doesn't seem to make any sense at all. That'd be like uh, you finally achieving what you want out of your career, right? You finally got exactly where you wanted to be. Maybe you made captain, uh, maybe you became a CEO, maybe you finally got that job in the healthcare industry that you've been waiting for, you finally got exactly where God has placed you, you finally got what you wanted, Uh, your family is thriving, things are going really well for you, and then God says, hey, I want you to quit your job, move to Jakarta, and wait for further instructions. Like, that's a really strange plan. Like, it doesn't seem right. How many of us, if we're Philip, things are going well in ministry, uh, things are going great in Samaria, how many of us would hear God's plan, would hear him command us to leave and to go to the middle of a desert road and would say, yes, Lord, like, I will go exactly where you send me. Right? It sounds very pious, it sounds very righteous, and it's very unlikely. Right? Most of us would probably say something more along the lines of, God, I think you've lost your mind. <laughs> right? I'm not any kind of master strategist. Right? I, I, I may not have all the plans together, but I think that there's probably more ministry to do in the middle of Samaria than on the dusty road in the middle of the desert. Right? Like, I think one probably outweighs the other. There seems to be more ministry to do there. Uh, or maybe for our, our previous example, you might tell God, uh, God, my family is doing really well. My, uh, my wife is doing well. My kids are doing well. I, I'm making a good paycheck. We're really involved in our local church. Uh, and so thank you for your suggestion to quit and move to Jakarta, but things are going really well here. Like this seems to be the perfect place for me to be. So I'm, we're, we, would be, we would be perfectly content to remain in Samaria and do ministry there. But... Philip listened to God. When God told Philip to go, Philip went. Look what happens. Verse 27. He rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. So Philip... Agrees to God's plan. He leaves Samaria. He travels south along this desert road He finds himself in the middle of nowhere in the desert and all of a sudden a chariot appears and there's an Ethiopian eunuch riding on the chariot A, a court official really prominent guy. So so Philip leaves and lo and behold He's not the only guy in the desert there that day. What are the odds? Right? Who could have predicted that? Uh, but he's not the only one there There's an Ethiopian eunuch again as I said a, a prominent court official Uh, for the Ethiopian empire um, down there this is uh, it's Ethiopia but more so today what will be known as Sudan so there's that kind of empire right there Uh, he was a prominent court official in there and this is a guy who he's a Gentile through and through right he's not a Jew but yet he worships God He's kind of a convert to Judaism and he We can tell that he worships God because he went out of his way to go all the way from what's today Sudan and go all the way to Jerusalem to worship God there in Jerusalem. And this is a guy that loves God and wants to follow him. He made it all the way from Ethiopia all the way up to Jerusalem in a really uncomfortable chariot ride. And on top of that, when he gets to Jerusalem, he knows that he's not going to be able to get very far into the temple. He's a Gentile, which means he won't be able to get very far. And on top of that, he's a eunuch, which means he's even more unqualified to get anywhere close to the holiest places of the temple. And so he, he knows that he made this whole trek to Jerusalem, and he's only going to get on like the outskirts of the temple and to be able to worship God there, but he still made the trek all the way there because he wanted to worship God in Jerusalem where his temple was. This is a guy who loves the Lord, a guy who wants to follow God. This is a Gentile who was a, a convert To Judaism, and he's there, uh, and Philip has the opportunity to meet him out there in the middle of nowhere. We see in verse 29. The Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join the chariot. Now, uh, if if Philip was willing to listen to God and leave Samaria and to go all the way into the middle of nowhere of the desert, uh, then we're He's probably going to be willing to go over and talk to the chariot. But, but how often do you and I miss promptings like this? How often does God prompt us to go eat lunch with a coworker, or to go have a conversation with a neighbor, or go talk to a family member, and in those conversations to introduce the gospel and to lead them to Jesus? How many times do we, do we hear those promptings, feel those promptings, and we just ignore them because it's too awkward or uncomfortable or, or inconvenient? So many times we we may feel those promptings or we may know what God has commanded of us. We, We may know what God wants of us, and yet we still disobey and we still refuse to do that. But not Philip. Philip heard a prompting from the Spirit to go over and to talk to the chariot. And even though it may have been awkward, even though it may have been inconvenient for him, even though he's a total stranger with this guy, he agreed. And he walked over to the chariot, and this is what happened in verse 30. Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? So I, I, Philip acted like a normal human being, right, and started the conversation in a relatable way. Philip didn't walk up to the, the guy in a chariot and say, hey, do you have a second to talk about your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Um, and he didn't walk up to the guy in the chariot and say, hey, um, God sent me to you, <laughs> right? Those may be fine. Those may work in some situations. But in this case, Philip was a normal human being. He walked up and just found a really easy way to enter into a conversation. He heard the guy was reading uh, Isaiah. And, uh, and he was looking for a route to enter the conversation. So he heard the guy was reading Isaiah. And Isaiah is a complicated book. It's a difficult book to understand. So he just said, hey, do you understand what you're reading? The guy was like, no. Can someone explain it to me? Boom. Conversation initiated. Right, he, he, he started it. I, I think a lot of times we psych ourselves up. We don't want to start a conversation with somebody about Jesus because we don't really know how to start it. Just start it like a normal human being. Right? Just start conversations like you would normally start conversations. Find a point of contact and begin the conversation. That's what Philip did. He, he, started, he heard the book of Isaiah being read. He said, do you, do you understand what you're reading? He said, nope. And the, the Ethiopian eunuch invites Philip into his chariot and to talk with him. That all happened because Philip was willing to go where God had sent him. Even though the plan didn't make any sense at all. Even though Philip had to leave a place of ministry that was going really well, and to go into the middle of the desert. And then God prompted him to go talk to a random stranger in a chariot. Even though all of those things don't seem to make any sense, Philip was willing to listen to God, and to go where God sent him, and because of that, he's now sitting in a chariot of a guy who, who loves God and wants to know what God wants for his life. Where is God sending you? You know, maybe God is sending you uh, on a short term mission trip somewhere. Maybe God is, is prompting your heart uh, for, a, uh, for a particular people group or a particular nation around the world, and he is sending you out as a missionary somewhere. Maybe God is moving you into ministry. Maybe God is sending you several states away on a job. Or maybe he's sending you to a different job within this area. Maybe he's giving you options for your family and giving you the opportunity to choose. Or maybe God is sending you exactly where you are today. God is sending you somewhere. The point I want to make is that wherever God is sending you, you need to go there. There's ministry opportunities waiting you if you go. Go where God is sending you. There's a guy named Dale. He was an executive of a a successful marketing firm up in Maryland. Uh, And things were going really well in his life. He was happy. Uh, This was pretty much what he had dreamed of with life that his company was going really well. He was making a good paycheck. His kids were in a really good school up there. Uh, His wife, uh, he and his wife and his family were all plugged into the church there. He was happy. Things were going really well. But he began to sense that God was moving him towards something different. The church that they were at in Maryland, they they announced plans to plant a church out in Massachusetts. And they asked for volunteers, anybody who would be willing to go with the team to lead uh, that church plant, to go and to help be part of that original church body, a charter member, to help impact Massachusetts with the gospel. And he he believed God was starting to call him to do that. That God was beginning to, to change his heart and his mind and calling him to leave behind this great life that he had, but to move to Massachusetts. And so he talked with his wife about it, he prayed with his kids about it, and he really firmly believed, together with his family, that God was moving them to Massachusetts. And so he he picked up and Quit his job and he had a few job prospects in Massachusetts, but nothing definite. But they trusted the Lord and he moved with his family over to Massachusetts to be part of this church plant. That is a guy who is going where God sent him. I want to be clear with you, just kind of a note of caution. Just because you feel like God might be sending you somewhere doesn't mean that it's definitely the case, right? Like if you are firmly convinced and you really feel like God is sending you overseas and your wife, is vehemently against going overseas, uh, then the two of you need to continue to just pray about it until one of you comes to your senses, right? And it may be either one of you that needs to come to your senses. Uh, or if you're firmly feeling like God is calling you three states away, even though you, you don't have a job prospect there, your kids will be in a worse school, and you don't have a church that you, you know you're going to get plugged in there, but you really feel like God is calling you three states away, uh, seek godly counsel, look for evidence, right? Maybe he is. I'm not saying that he definitely is or definitely isn't, but, but seek some counsel. Try to see together if the Lord is calling you somewhere instead of just making a rash, <laughs> bold decision. Uh, Philip was hearing directly from an angel. He heard from the Spirit. He was directly in tune with what God wanted for his life. Uh, and so just because you have a, a warm, fuzzy feeling about doing something doesn't mean it's definitely God calling you to do it. Seek, seek some godly counsel. But all of that to say, when you become convinced that God is calling you somewhere, when you become convinced that God is sending you somewhere in the world, whether it's somewhere different than where you are today, or whether it's to your job and your street and your home, whether it's somewhere that's, that's brand new for you, or the job and the street that you've lived on for 30 years. When you become convinced that God is sending you somewhere, go there. Do not delay, do not wait, do not just... Uh, cling to the things that you're comfortable with, go where God is sending you. Because when you go there, there will be ministry there for you that nobody else will be able to do. So what we see beginning in verse 32. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. And his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does this prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Now, the first thing that we see in this passage is that we need to go where God sends us. The second thing we need to see in this passage is to go with the gospel. When God sends you somewhere, go with the gospel. So again, uh, Philip sees an opportunity to present the gospel. You see, Philip was out there on a desert road, and he had an encounter with somebody that, that nobody else was going to have an encounter with. Right? God sent him to somewhere nobody else was to have an encounter with somebody who no other Christian was going to have an encounter with when you go to your job, when you go to your neighborhood, when you go to your family, no other Christian in the world has the same schedule that you do, has the same connections that you do, and has the same opportunities that you do. God is sending you somewhere. And Philip recognized that he had this opportunity that nobody else in the world was going to have, and he was going to take advantage of it. So he walked up and He's sitting with the eunuch, and, and he sees the passage of scripture that he's reading, and says, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth, and his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth. Now again, Philip is having a conversation like a normal human being, right? So he's, he's having this conversation, and he's looking for a, an easy, clear route to take the conversation towards the gospel, I think a lot of times we overthink uh, gospel conversations we don't want to have gospel conversations because we're not really sure how to do it, right, because we we equate gospel conversations with maybe this this presentation that we have to memorize, right, I have to to memorize this presentation and then I have to be able to get all of it out uh, in in this conversation and it feels awkward and it feels forced because it is. (laughs) Right? If I have to draw a picture or get out an cube every time that I want to have a gospel conversation, I'm not going to have very many gospel conversations. Right? Those things are good tools, and you can feel free to use them as, you, as aids in your gospel conversations. But if you, if you are bound to them, like you have to use them in every situation, my guess is you're probably not going to have a lot of gospel conversations, because there's not a lot of gospel there's not a lot of regular conversations where pulling out of a, a cube is normal. And so, so have gospel conversations by just having conversations. Look for routes to take the conversation towards the gospel. Look for avenues to take the conversation towards uh, what is righteous and pure and upright. Now, uh, we do this every day. Several years ago, the, the Patriots and the Rams played in the Super Bowl. And it was the worst Super Bowl I have ever seen in my life. And for a couple weeks, pretty much every conversation I had somehow ended up on that Super Bowl, right? Because that was on everyone's mind. That's what we wanted to talk about. And so as we're talking, we could be talking about something totally random. But we were taking the conversation towards that Super Bowl. The route was set. We were going to end up somewhere in the conversation talking about the really boring Super Bowl that we all experienced, right? Do the same thing with the gospel. Have the gospel on the forefront of your mind and be ready to share it. So look for the roots to take the gospel into the conversation. If you do the same thing with every other topic of conversation. Do it with the gospel. That's what Philip did here. And Philip actually uh, had a very easy route to the gospel because the Ethiopian eunuch was reading the Bible. And everything in the Bible. Uh, directs towards Jesus in one way or another. And on top of that, even uh, better, the Ethiopian eunuch was reading a prophecy about Jesus. So he had a very easy route uh, to a conversation about the gospel. But he, he looks at this passage, and as soon as the Ethiopian eunuch asked a natural question, he said, who, does, who is this passage about? Is it about the author or is it about somebody else? As soon as that question came up, Philip saw his opportunity to take the conversation to the gospel, and he went there. As soon as he saw his opening, he pounced on it, and he brought the gospel into the conversation. So he says he started with this passage. He, beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Now, it would have looked something like this. Philip would have been talking to the eunuch on the chariot, and he would have said something along the lines of, this passage is about the Messiah and the Savior of the world. And and as someone who's converted to Judaism, like, you know about the Messiah. It's the one that God has promised will restore the world. It's the one God has promised will come to, to bring all things back to like they were in Genesis chapter 1. But what if I told you that he already did come? What if I told you that he already came, but just not in the way that we expected? You see, we expected a ruler. We expected a king because we focused on the prophecies that talked about him ruling and reigning over God's people, but we didn't stop and think about how he was going to save us. You see, back in Genesis, God told Noah that all of mankind is wicked from his youth. And then God gave the Israelites his law, his rules to follow, and not one person, not one Israelite, follow all of his rules and eventually God exiled God kicked out the Israelites from his land and then when they finally returned back to the land they were just as sinful and rebellious as they were before all of us are wicked all of us have fallen short of God's standard none of us can keep God's command so when the Messiah comes to restore all things when he comes to get rid of all sin- sinners and establish his eternal kingdom that would be bad news for us because there's not a single person in the world who could inhabit his kingdom forever. There's not a single person in the world who is worthy of that. But God had a better plan. God sent his own son, Jesus, as the Messiah, as the Savior of the world. And he didn't come as a military hero, at least not yet. He came as a sacrificial lamb like this uh, passage talks about, to save us from our sins. See, just a few months ago, at at this point, just a few months ago, the religious leaders in Jerusalem murdered Jesus. They, They unjustly took his life. The justice was denied him. His life was taken away from the earth. This passage was fulfilled by Jesus. You see, Jesus willingly gave up his life. He willingly endured punishment and humiliation and death. He willingly endured all of that, even though he did nothing wrong, because by his blood, he wanted to provide us an opportunity to have eternal life. By his blood, we could be saved. And then, Three days later, Jesus got out of the grave. He rose again from the dead. God resurrected Jesus. And he did that to confirm the message that Jesus had been preaching, that he is the Messiah and that he is the means of our salvation. And that we can know with confidence that if we place our faith in Jesus, if we trust in him for salvation, we can have eternal life and we can spend forever in the kingdom of God. That's the good news. Of Jesus Christ. That's the news that Philip would have shared with him. We see in verse 36, as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So there's this beautiful moment where Philip preaches the gospel. He He brings the gospel into the conversation and the eunuch says, I believe. I I agree, I affirm it, I repent and turn from my sin and I place my faith in Jesus. And he enters into a relationship with the Lord and then they come across some water and he says, let me be baptized. I I mentioned this last week. I think uh, generally I'm not a fan of spontaneous or instant baptism because we want to confirm to the best of our abilities that this person has a genuine, true commitment of faith to the Lord. But that's a, that's a general principle. If you lead somebody to the Lord in the middle of the desert, and then they go on and they're traveling to a country where no Christian church exists yet uh, to baptize them when they get there, baptize them by all means. <laughs> like Baptize them in obedience to the Lord. Uh, and that's what Philip was doing here in this case. He baptized, uh, he baptized the Ethiopian eunuch in obedience to the Lord. Uh, this beautiful, beautiful moment of salvation. This beautiful moment where the Ethiopian eunuch enters into a relationship with the Lord. Now I want you to notice in Acts chapter 8, I know it's been a couple of weeks uh, that we've been in here, but I want you to notice the expansion of the gospel in Acts chapter 8. Up, up to Acts chapter 8, the gospel had only been proclaimed to Jews. And then the persecution comes in jerusalem the church scatters philip takes the gospel to the samaritans these half jews half gentile hybrids and he takes the gospel to them and they come to know jesus and the holy spirit falls on them so the gospel expands beyond just jews to the samaritans and then at the end of acts chapter 8 there's a full-blooded gentile who is a convert to judaism who comes to know jesus And so the gospel expands even further. The gospel is expanding out, and it's because the people of God were willing to go where God sent them. And then when they went there, they went with the gospel. They didn't just go where they wanted out of convenience. They didn't just go and and have the conversations they wanted to have because it was comfortable. They went where God sent them, and they proclaimed the gospel when they were there. And the kingdom of God was expanding. Just a a side note, you may be curious, there's no verse 37 in most of your Bibles, probably. Um, It it goes from 36 to 38, Uh, most likely in most of your translations. Um, Just want to clear that up. The reason for that, uh, so Acts 8 37 uh, is a beautiful, rich verse that, um, that has the Ethiopian eunuch proclaiming a message about Jesus, saying, you know, saying, I believe in Jesus, I affirm, Um, but we know from manuscript evidence that that wasn't in the original manuscripts. That was added much later um, by uh, some Christians who wanted to give that in there, Um, which it's good, it's right. The Ethiopian eunuch definitely had some type of proclamation, otherwise Philip wouldn't have baptized him, Um, but we know that that wasn't part of Luke's writing. He didn't include that, Um, so it's not part of of the inspired Word of God. It was added much later. So most of our Bibles, most of our manuscripts will take out Um, verse 37 but because the manuscript evidence came later after we added the verses just for clarity to avoid confusion they just took 37 out so it goes from 36 to 38 so just want to clarify that if you're like why is there no 37 in my bible um or why did he not read a verse that's in my bible um that's why uh is because the because of manuscript evidence for that but uh anyways all that to say philip went and he preached the gospel. He went where God called him, and he proclaimed the gospel there. Look with me in verse 39. When they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he, pre- as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So there's this, this kind of a strange moment where, where Philip baptizes the eunuch, and when he comes back out of the water, the, the spirit of God literally takes... Philip away. He removes him uh, from that desert water and he he uh, from that oasis and and places him somewhere else. It's this really strange moment that only happens a a tiny handful of times in the Bible Um, but basically what we see is that Philip already had the habit of going where God sent him so God just saved him the trouble, right? God just saved him some time and some effort and put him there himself because he knew he was going to go there anyways. Uh, But but God moves, uh, removes Philip The Ethiopian eunuch doesn't see him anymore, but he goes away rejoicing. It's a a phrase that we saw earlier in Acts with the Samaritans. They were rejoicing about their salvation. The Ethiopian eunuch goes away rejoicing in the eternal life that he has. And Philip finds himself in Azotus. And notice what he's doing. He preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So once again, Philip just finds himself in Azotus. And he, he realizes that he's exactly where God has placed him, and he goes there with the gospel. He preaches the gospel. He proclaims the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ, wherever it is that God has sent him. And he works his way up the coast of, uh, of the Mediterranean Sea. He works his way all the way up to Caesarea, and he's proclaiming the gospel the whole time. Because he goes where God sent him, and he's proclaiming the gospel. Every single one of us need to have gospel conversations. God has placed us at our workplace, in our neighborhood, in our families, in our friend groups. He has placed us there. He has sent us there. And he has given us a command to go with the gospel. We need to reach our friends and our family members and our coworkers for Jesus. There is nothing more important and, and, those, and, and, and the people around us. There's nothing more important in their life than their salvation. There's nothing more important than where they will spend all of eternity. And so if you want to have conversations with your coworkers about how the 49ers surprised the Packers again in the playoffs, then by all means, go ahead, because it's an interesting topic. But if you fail to have a gospel conversation with your coworkers, then all of the sports opinions in the world are not going to save them on the day when they stand before God. Go with the gospel. Whoever God sends you, proclaim the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ there. God has placed you somewhere very specific with opportunities that nobody else in the world is ever going to have. Are you going to take advantage of those opportunities and proclaim the gospel there. What I want you to see uh, this morning, in your seats, there are some gospel tracts. These are little booklets. We have two different types. Uh, We have more out there in the foyer, and so uh, if you like one better than another, that's fine. You can swap them out, but uh, but they're the same thing, essentially. What these little gospel tracts are... Is a little a little booklet that teaches you about the gospel. It just ha- it has all the basic points of the gospel message. So this is a good tool. it's something you can pull out in a conversation and you can you can walk through somebody else with the booklet or you can just read it yourself uh, and keep track and, and remind yourself, refresh yourself on on the points to hit when you get into those conversations. but but regardless of, of how you use it, this is a good tool to help you accomplish what the passage is calling you to do. There shouldn't be anybody in this room who says, I don't know how to have a gospel conversation. I don't know what to talk about. I don't know, I don't know what the conversation, how the conversation should go. Here are the points to hit. Right? And if you're a Christian, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, then you already know the gospel because it's already impacted your life. It's already saved you. So it should be natural for us to direct conversations toward the thing that has had the most profound impact on our life. It should be natural for us to to be able to explain in a conversation the eternal life that we have in Jesus. Here's a booklet to help refresh your memory on the the points to hit in those conversations. And you you can give this to somebody, you can walk them through it, or you can remind yourself just for when you get into those conversations. But there should be nobody in here who says they can't have a gospel conversation. You may have also noticed that we rearranged the room. Maybe, maybe it crossed your mind. Um, the chairs are different. Uh, and the reason that we rearranged the room is because I wanted to give us a, a visual representation of how much room we have for your friends, for your coworkers, for your family members, for your neighbors. All right, we removed uh, a ton of chairs, uh, empty chairs. Uh, and there are still empty chairs to go. But we have a lot of chairs, right? The, the, we have stacks of chairs just ready in the back. Like, and we will get those chairs out when we need more room. And so that's my challenge to you from Scripture, my challenge to you from this text this week, is let's need more chairs next week. Like God is calling you to go out with the gospel, and, and that could look like you having conversations, having lunch, or, or just having conversations with your coworkers or your neighbors, and sharing the gospel with them, and, and leading them to Jesus. Or maybe it could look like inviting somebody to church, so that we collectively, as a body, can witness to them through song, and, and preaching, and hospitality, and we can come alongside you. Maybe it looks like inviting somebody to your small group, And so that that small group can intentionally witness to them. That small group can intentionally uh, speak life into them and lead them to Jesus alongside you. But whatever it looks like, God has called you to go with the gospel. So allow God to move through you this week. So the next week we need to get another row out. And then the week after that, we need to get another row out. And then the week after that we need to get another row out and we can keep adding rows until the room is full of people that you know worshiping Jesus. People that you know experiencing eternal life for the very first time or experiencing the gospel and coming to understand and coming to know Jesus for the very first time. Let's fill the room with people that we know experiencing life. So that's my challenge. Let's add another row next week. Allow God to move through you, and use you this week as you go with the gospel. Have those gospel conversations. Invite your friends to church. Invite them to small groups so that we collectively can have those gospel conversations with them. Wherever God sends you, proclaim the gospel there. Some of you this morning, you have heard the gospel preached. You have heard the good news of eternal life in Jesus Christ, you've heard the fact that you need to turn from your sins and, and trust in Jesus for salvation. Uh, and so this morning you recognize that you can't have those gospel conversations truly because you don't know Jesus. You have never entered into a relationship with him. You have never placed your faith and your trust in Christ and you've never uh you've never received the eternal life and the salvation that he offers. So this morning I want to give you an opportunity To do just that. Everyone bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody moving around. All eyes closed. If that's you, if you have never placed your faith in Jesus, you've never entered into a relationship with him, and you've never experienced eternal life and the salvation that Jesus brings, and I want you to just say a prayer. Repeat it after me, just in the quietness of your own heart. The words of the prayer aren't magical, They're not gonna, the words themselves aren't going to save you, but if you believe what you pray, then you can experience salvation and eternal life. If that's you, just repeat after me and in, in your own heart God, I know that I'm a sinner, I know that, that I need a Savior. God, I, I know that you sent Jesus to die for me. I thank you for the salvation and the eternal life that you offer in Jesus. Father, I need that. I pray, God, that you would forgive my sins. I pray, Father, that you would, you would make me new. Create in me a a clean heart. Give me a desire to follow you all of my life. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray this. Amen. Now, if that's you and you prayed that for the very first time this morning, I would love to talk with you after the service. Um, Or uh, if you... Don't want to talk to me steve uh or val and candy would love to talk with you after the service about what that uh what that means in your life for what it means to follow jesus and maybe some what, some next steps for you if you need prayer uh, you need somebody to talk with you again after the service i would love for you to come talk with either me or steve or val or candy like come come find somebody uh to to talk with you about uh things that you need prayer for um, you can also fill out a card that you can put in the, uh, the box out there in the foyer. We would love to pray with you and talk with you. In just a second, we're going to sing. And as we sing, uh, I want us to sing our hearts out in celebration of the good news of Jesus Christ. The fact that we have been saved by the gospel. Uh, there is a command to go with the gospel, to go take it out. But, but we will not go reach people with the gospel if we are not excited about it ourselves. If we don't recognize that we we have eternal life in Jesus, if that doesn't get us pumped. So, so please, experience eternal life in Jesus today. Let's be excited about it and let's sing together. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we love you and we are excited about the eternal life that is found in Jesus. You have saved us. You have changed us from the inside out. You have given us freedom and eternal life. God, we can spend forever in your kingdom. God, we thank you and praise you for the eternal life that you provide. Father, we pray. We pray that we would be people who are excited to go share that gospel message. We pray that we would be people who can't wait to tell our co-workers our neighbors, and our friends, and our family members about you. And we can't wait to see this room filled up with people experiencing life for the very first time. God, use us in a mighty way. Send revival in our community as we go out with the gospel, as we engage the lost. We love you and praise you, and it's in the name of Jesus.